Conan, what is best in life? To crush your enemies, see them driven before you, and to hear the lamentation of your women. Joining us today on Moving Radio is Daniel Jemchuk. He is the programmer of a series called Barbaric Rights at the Metro Cinema coming up this month. Uh, it's a fantastic series. As soon as I saw this, I was like, oh, I got to talk to Daniel about this because there's some, there's some fine 80s barbarian films in this one. Uh, one specifically that I was like, oh, well done. He does know what he's doing. Uh, but we're going to get Daniel to explain all this instead of me. Daniel, welcome to Moving Radio. Hey, good to be here. It's good to have you. All right, so um, let's tell everybody a little bit about Barbaric Rights. I mean, I know you've got this fantastic, you know, forward on the website of Our Ancestors Tell of a Near Forgotten Time when swords <laughs> clashed, evil magicians plotted, and brawny Chad sought out adventure and glory. Uh, which is a great way to push it for sure. But let's talk a little bit about these three films and just more specifically barbaric rights overall as a series this month at Metro. Cool. So this whole thing started, um, I would go over to my friend's place um, and we were basically, we were going, going there to use his gym because he had a very, he had, his gym was a lot more fancier than my little small apartment home gym. So I'd go there to work out or we'd go there to like go uh, paint. I was working on like board game projects at the time. I think I'm still working on Chronicles of Hate, which is a barbaric fantasy board game, beat up the other barbarian kind of thing. Um, I'm still working on through that. Uh, maybe one day I'll finish it. But anyways, like as kind of like our post-workout or like when the hands cramp up from painting kind of activity, we put on a movie and we put on usually sword and sorcery films and um It'd be ones we either remembered, like growing up watching, or like ones we'd heard about. And we're like, let's check that out. And it was uh, it was really cool um, checking out these movies and kind of like reliving that childhood memory of them, like reliving through Conan for me, like because I hadn't watched Conan since I was a teenager. And then for my friend to be reliving through watching uh, Fire and Ice was uh, some really cool experiences for us. And we're like. This is really awesome. We, of course, we're showing them to his girlfriend as well, who had never seen any of these movies. So that's when I just kind of got the idea in my head of, you know, once I saw the Metro pop up and saying, hey, we're looking for guest program. I was like, you know, this was really cool to share this with my friend and his girlfriend. Um, and I like to share movies with people. Um, so why not? Why not apply for it? Um yeah, it's it's been an interesting experience so far. We actually had the first screening yesterday with uh, Jason and the Argonauts. Uh, it was not, it was a small one, and I was, it was really good. And it was a good place to kind of start things because to me, um, sword and sorcery comes out of sword and sandal, and Jason and the Argonauts again to me in my humble opinion, Jason and Argonauts is the epitome of sword and sandal. It kind of connects us in. We've got Clash of the Titans that's in the set too. That's Harryhausen, so we've got Harryhausen coming in twice, and it's gonna be it's gonna be great. 
Yeah, well, so give some overview the uh, of the programming that's happening this month in January. And you talked a little bit about the first film, which somebody can go see on their own again if they happen to miss Jason and the Argonauts. Uh, you've got three more films coming up this month. Why don't we just attack them one at a time? It's one you've alluded to already, and it's happening tonight, this Friday, January 12th at 9.15 p.m. It's Conan the Barbarian from 1982. Between the time when the oceans drank Atlantis and the rise of the sons of Arius, there was an age undreamed of. And onto this, Conan, destined to bear the jeweled crown of Aquilonia upon a troubled brow. It is I, his chronicler, who alone can tell thee of his saga. Let me tell you of the days of high adventure. Tell us a little bit about what, you know, I mean, I think we know why it fits into barbaric rights, that's for sure. But tell us a little bit about what are those things you love about this film in particular. And, uh, and it's a great film for the beginning, not the first film, but the beginning of Arnold Schwarzenegger's career. Conan's a really fascinating film for me. Um, one, because there's a lot more going on in it than is going on even in like your average sword and sorcery movie. We have the philosophy happening with what is the riddle of steel. We have the individualism versus like the group culture of the death cult, of the snake cult in the film. We have Arnold's individualism as Conan. We have deeper thoughts happening than what's going on in your average sword and sorcery. It's also really interesting because the director, of course, was a guy who's famously quoted as saying government is something that should only be done to cattle. And you can kind of see that throughout Conan as well. Conan is because he's on his own and answerable to no other man, to no other beast and nobody. He's able to go out and do things that, you know, the King Osric, he can't deal with the snake cult. He is, he is impotent. His government is so infiltrated by it. His power is so corrupted by it. And his government is, it can't deal with it. Even when his own daughter has been taken by this snake cult and has become a, you know, the concubine of Bolts of Doom, the government can't do anything about it. So he is having to look to the outside to this guy who is existing outside of this structure. And it was really an interesting, once you read that about John Millison, how he's like, is this guy who believes that government is not a thing he supports? It really adds that extra context to Conan that the character's, who aren't corrupt, who aren't shown as weak, are shown as like these very strong archetypes. So kind of the politics at play behind that are neat in themselves to examine. And it's also, again, it's a fascinating film. It's well acted. It's well choreographed, which um, I got to be honest, uh, one of our future films this series, The Barbarians, is maybe not so well choreographed. <laughs> um, or even we'll, get, we'll get to that one. <laughs> yeah we'll, we'll definitely get there but it's a well it's a really well put together film with a lot of thought a lot of money and a lot of effort that came to make the whole thing come together really become a really magical movie and it's again because it is a think it has these thinker and these deeper things happening to it it's a nice way of starting to like the actual sword and sorcery part of this film and it's also when people think of sword and sorcery and barbarian films who else are you picturing but Arnold looking absolutely shredded, even though he's cut down from the pumping iron days. He's looking shredded. He's looking strong. His 
swordsmanship is like it's all, everything is just on point. He's got the beautiful Valeria at his side. It's it's just a wonderful movie in that way. Yeah, I'm, I'm, well, my first introduction to that character was uh, through the comic books that one of my uncles had. So, like, I'm 10 years old in 1982, right? And the first time I see the film is on Super Channel Cable. But I just remember how vividly I was like, whoa, this is incredible. It kind of brought to life those uh, Barry Windsor Smith and John Buscema kind of comics, too. So uh, I, I have a, uh, a place in my heart for that film. And then finally, I got to see The Destroyer in theaters because it was a little bit older. The Destroyer is a different kind of movie. It's uh, it's more in tune with what the B movie guys were doing, rather than like the more highbrow, higher, higher thinking that the, that the original was doing. Yeah, but it, both films with Dino De Laurentiis too, right? Weren't they? Yeah. They were. It, <laughs> you know, when you change up your writer, you change up your focus of your movie, you change up your director, you can get something that looks a little bit different. I still respect Conan the Destroyer for what it was. It's a pulpy, fun, it's campy. We have a good time. Mm -hmm. But if we show barbaric rights, if we're going to show sword and sorcery film, we are, uh, we got to go with the original. We got to go with Conan. Well, another one that you alluded to is Clash of the Titans, which is coming up on Saturday, January 27th at 3.30 p.m. So people want to see that a little bit earlier, they can check that out. Uh, Daniel, you know, as a programmer for this one, again, you've kind of hit this sweet spot where I'm like, oh man, I'm a little guy. And I remember seeing this for the first time. And it was the first time that I had, I probably had seen or was aware of and started to become aware of like who Ray Harryhausen was. And also, you know, Greek mythology as well. Never really thought about it until this film and was just transfixed on the magic of all that stop motion animation. I got to tell you the story. This is a funny story about yeah. how Clash found its way into our set here. The original set of Barbaric Rites was going to be Jason and the Argonauts, uh, Conan the Barbarian, Fire and Ice, and the Barbarians. We're, we're okay, that's what it's going to be. We hear back from Metro, and they basically said to me, we're trying to get a hold of the Bakshi estate because nobody else seems to know who has the rights to show Fire and Ice here in Canada. We're trying, but it's not looking likely. What are some other films? We can run one of your other backup films that we had in there. And I was like, well, okay, so we had two options here. We had uh, we had Beastmaster and we had Deathstalker. And neither of those worked out either. So then they, they're like, we just can't. Beastmaster, we just got told no. Deathstalker, I mean... Let's, it might have worked out for the better that we don't have Deathstalker in this set. I mean, it's 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 hilarious, but maybe wouldn't fit the tone of what we're going for. We already have that hilarious movie in The Barbarians. So they're like, we're going to be two options here. We give you Krull, or we can go Clash of the Titans. And I was like, we're going Clash of the Titans. We got to go Clash of the Titans. I mean, we can bring back the creature effects. We can still have a serious movie that's like still legitimately a good movie. I mean, Deathstalker and Crawler, to me, still good movies, but in a really different way than like Clash of the Titans is a good movie. It's a movie I show people. Uh, Deathstalker is kind of a movie that is in my collection. And it's like, we watch that when no one else is around. We don't show anybody. <laughs> we don't show anybody how deep these tastes go. Um, 
and then you know it's also but that's further along the shelf than maybe other movies in that particular run there uh thor and uh barbarian queen being in there um but yeah no we had to go with clash find and fulfill your destiny the myth the magic the mystery the majesty destroy argos let loose the last of the titans metro goldwyn mayer presents clash of the titans the good the evil the danger the daring how may a mortal man face and defeat the kraken clash is it's a phenomenal movie um it's also really interesting because it's it succeeds financially in a way that for whatever reason jason did and even though i still think jason's probably was the better film clash is the one we still remember and maybe that's recency maybe that's because it was it had that greater appeal it was just it was the right time when it came out but i mean clash is iconic with the kraken we have the gods again at play here and again like you said the stop motion stop motion to me is like a it's magic it's movie magic i love it I don't, we don't see enough of it. I think the last stop motion or the most recent stop motion movie I watched was, uh, was Mad God. And that one completely blew my mind with how like everything looked and I loved how it looked. And watching back on these films now on watching, having just watched Jason, yes, on Sunday here, um, and then watching Clash of the Titans in preparation for this, this, the stop motion was just, it was amazing. And it was, it was exactly what I was looking for in a movie. And it was like the kind of effect that it's like, it's practical, but it still has that magic to it. And so of course, and Ray's the master of it. You watch any of these films, he is the master of it. And of course we continue with the score being really important. The music being a very driving factor. I mean, Conan was basically an opera with starring Arnold Schwarzenegger. Is <laughs> uh, clashes to me, like going to a raw orchestra and just experiencing this orchestra that also happens to have some really like badass action scenes happening with it. Yeah, I agree. I think that's uh, one of those ones that maybe some younger people might not have seen. But you know what's funny is that I know for a fact, like a lot of high schools would use that to kind of like sum up Greek mythology before the the redux came out there where they rebooted it again. Yeah. We're speaking today on Moving Radio with Daniel Demchuk, uh, not only a mega fan of B-movies, but the programmer of Barbaric Rights, playing at the Metro Cinema right now, uh, which you can catch all January. All you got to do is go to metrocinema.org to check out when the screening times are. The final film in your series, which is going to be taking place on Sunday, January 28th at 7 p.m., which when I looked at this whole programming series, I thought now I truly know that he knows what he's doing. It's the barbarians. <laughs> it's, it's such, it's, it's a good film. Yeah. It's not a good film in the way that like clash, this is a class. This is a classic. We're going to remember for the next 30 years. It's a good film in that it's like you show it to somebody and you're cackling about it. I mean, the barbarian brothers in that movie, 
the Barbarian Brothers are hilarious because to me they represent '90s bodybuilding. Yes, they weren't like, best '90s bodybuilders. I mean, guys like Ronnie Coleman and Dorian Yates were the best, but they represented the '90s and bodybuilding to me because they have that. Did you know they have a really obnoxious rap song? No, I have not heard this. <laughs> It is very, very like early 90s white dude rapping and it is hilarious. It is bad. And it is just like, it's just like the Barbarians itself. I mean, between that like stronking sound they make of Triumph of, or the guy like, or one of the brothers uh, snapping the noose that he's tied up with, with his neck muscles by flexing, which is the most ridiculous like flexing. <laughs> thing I've seen in a movie outside of Lou Ferrigno snapping the chain with his pecs and Sinbad. Honestly, like that movie, it was great. And it has a real, it's charming. It's not like some of the other bad barbarian movies that are like, okay, you were ticking off boxes, K-Jacked, lead character, check, oh, yeah. we got the ultraviolence, check, oh, we got some, so maybe he's a little quick. Barbarians, the Barbarians has soul to it. Oh, I'm apologizing. My cat is waving her butt in front of me. No, that's Ooh. okay. Oh, my camera time. My camera time. <laughs> no. Barbarians has a lot of charm to it. It has a lot of character to it. And the Barbarian Brothers, they have that really simple, like, they're just, I don't want to say that they sound simple because they're intelligent enough to at least memorize one or two lines at a time here. But, like, they're very simple people. They're, they have very simple goals. And they're charming in the movie because it's like it's, it's like a redneck adventure movie, but they're barbarian. <laughs> and they're just going on this wild trip together. And they're arguing with each other. There's some Three Stooges-esque, like, Ponce pushing each other. It's, it's great. And, again, it's the charm and the soul of that movie that sell you on it. And that's why it's like, that's one. That's got to be the one that, to us in our series represents the B-movie direction that Sword and Sorcery films would go because of the soul to it. I'm sure you and I can both name like 30 Sword and Sorcery films that are just ultraviolence or are Kevin Sorbo staring at the camera, forgetting his line and doing a big flex instead. We, we can have lots of those, but are they as charming as the Barbarian? Do they have the the barely attempted to hide New York accent cutting through while everyone else is trying to play this film straight? No, it doesn't. And that's that's why the barbarians had to be there. And really, I mean, like it is probably the most obscure of the bunch. I mean, Jason and Clash are considered film classics. Like you said, they show them in high schools for Greek mythology. Conan is Conan. It is like it is transcended into popular culture. The Barbarians is kind of like our odd little guy who's walking around that we don't really know much about, but he's charming. <laughs> go talk to this guy. Go go see him. Go see what he does. It's amazing. And you'll come out of that film just cackling away. 
at the dawn of time, in a world of savage splendor, a tyrant of darkness ravaged the land and captured two defenseless children, raised as slaves, trained as gladiators. Only together could they defeat the evil warlord. They were rogues. Look at the size of you two. Adventurers. Heroes. They were the barbarians. No, I agree. I thought that was the most inspired pick. And, uh, you know, I love when Metro does do these kind of like series in a month where it doesn't mean you have to be there for an entire weekend, but it's spread out over the month. So I think that's another great part about it too. Daniel, was there anything? Cause I mean, it's a little 80 centric and I don't think that's a bad thing myself necessarily other than, um, you know, Jason, the Argonauts. Did you feel like that was kind of like a, a, a watershed time for a lot of this like fantasy films? Because it feels like a lot of those things and even things are kind of on the periphery of the stuff like that, like whether it be Excalibur and, and, and other films like that that kind of deal with, you know, uh, maybe magic and wizardly wizards and fantasy too, um, kind of hit at that time for some reason. It seemed like that was a hotbed in the 80s. I would definitely agree that the 80s had the magic to it. Mm. There's that acceptance of it. I guess even I would say that little bit more mainstream acceptance of a movie being a B movie and that's going to be okay. Um, the 90s with Sword and Sorcery, I found it was, um, it becomes very TV. Like it becomes lots about like the TV series. I mean, we have the big ones being Xena. No. We have Kevin. Corbo doing Hercules and then showing up in every directed, you know, VHS thing that you've never seen. And you watch them. And unlike some of the eighties ones, like again, like the barbarians or even to an extent, something like barbarian queen or death stalker, they're kind of charming and they're like low fineness. Some of the Sorbos aren't charming. They're painful. Um, I would be very bold in saying that call the conqueror was felt like I was being assaulted. Not in the way that, you know, it's a good kind of assault, but like kind of a, oh, please stop. Please make this stop. Um, so the 80s to me, it was, there was that charm. There was the special effects. I think we're on point. We weren't quite experimenting with the CGI yet. And then as the 2000s kind of go on, I mean, there's Lord of the Rings, which we can make an argument whether that is epic fantasy or sword and sorcery, depending on where you want to go with it. Um, and then like, we kind of got a resurgence with Sword and Sandal with uh, the 300 films and the remake of Clash of the Titans. And the um, there was a while there where it seemed like we were on the never-ending direct-to-DVD regurgitation of Roman stuff. But to me, that stuff's not the same. It's I mean, I enjoyed 300 for what it was, but that movie is a green screen and slow-mo. And that is that is the charm of that movie. And either you're buying into Gerard Butler playing a character that he would later play for the rest of his film career, <laughs> or you know you're going to sit at this movie and go, "God, this is kind of odd." And I'm watching a bunch of dudes stab each other over and over again in slow motion. Alrighty, 
so it was kind of to me like 300 and even like the remake of clash of the titans they kind of felt they were very brown and they kind of just had one trick up their sleeve which is we're very brown we're really good at slow motion and our cgi is which is cool but it doesn't have the same soul and that's what's important to me when i watch a movie is does this movie feel like it has a soul do you look at something like Conan and we have elaborate costumes and really good choreography or we look at the barbarians and we have the kind of the charming dialogue and again a really well built up universe that just also happens to have you know the barbarian brothers making their noises and screaming but we have this soul and this charm to it and I feel that as the 90s and 2000s wore on sword and sorcery films kind of either went one of two routes where it was either they went into epic fantasy or they became kind of soulless CGI slow-mo fests. And, you know, that really, to me, that culminated with the, uh, with the Conan remake starring, it was Momo on that one, if yep. I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And um, like, man, I, I've never been like, man, I can take a lot of bad. I, I watch <laughs> movies that are considered horrible and I can find value out of them. I watched that movie and I forgot what happened five minutes after it was over. It, it just, if you're going to make Conan, like, why would you make it so bland and so lacking in soul and just a CGI fest when you have, you know, you can, I would say Momoa's probably could have made a good Conan if he had a script and a director and a, all the things around it that could have given it soul. But, you know, these more, at least in Sword and Sorcery, the soul seems to, it just doesn't happen after the 80s in the same way. Yeah, I agree with you that uh, the Conan remake, the biggest thing that stuck out in my mind after I saw it was I was like, there's an excessive amount of nudity in this. And I know, <laughs> like, you look at Frank Rosetta, where you just mentioned Fire and Ice, and, and even the, <laughs> these old comic books where you're like, these people are wearing the skimpiest costumes ever. I almost never expect real people to be wearing something like that. It was mind blowing when they tried that literally. Yeah. I mean, they tried it, but I don't know, man, to me, sword and sorcery is it's, it's more than CGI and big titties, you know? Yes. I, I would agree with that. Well, look, if you would like to avoid either one of those things, I would suggest you check out the remainder of Barbaric Rights at the Metro Cinema on Friday, January 12th. That's tonight, friends, at 9.15 p.m. You can catch Conan the Barbarian. On Saturday, January 27th at 3.30 p.m., you can catch Clash of the Titans. And on Sunday, January 28th at 7 p.m., you can catch the Barbarians. Every single one of these screenings is happening, of course, at our favorite Autarus movie theater, it is the Metro Cinema, the uh, the crown jewel of cinema in this city. And uh, you can just get tickets at the door. That's the best way to do it. All right, Daniel, are you going to be lurking in the background, even though you've seen all these films several times, just kind of like waiting in the dark to see? I know you went and saw Jason. Right? So you're like, I have to go see every film I program. Oh, I'm there. I'm doing an introduction for each film. Good, um, good. I. Uh, I will try. I'm going to try to remember, unlike with Jason, that I have to put the microphone back after I'm done and not just trot my way off to that. <laughs> and then go, oh, I then watch somebody kind of tromp all the way from the back to put the microphone 
pay for it. I say, I feel really bad about that. Or my other favorite one is uh, if you accidentally put the microphone in the wrong place in front of the speakers and it feedbacks like a mother. Oh, I can, I can imagine. <laughs> so, uh, um, I mean, maybe I'll just carry it with me and I'll, it'll just become my staff of wisdom down into the front row of the chairs. And I just sit. <laughs> I don't think Metro would appreciate me stealing their microphone, but you know, maybe, maybe that is the safest place. <laughs> but yeah, I'll be there. Um, I'll probably be, I'll be in the front row of every one of them. I'll be hanging out in the lobby afterwards. Um, if anybody wants to sit and chat for a few minutes, uh, they, I'm, I'm always happy to talk film with people, introduce you to my whole crew who are all coming out and yeah, I'm always happy to sit and chat about these and anybody wants to chat after I'm happy to, uh, I'll probably wave awkwardly at you as we go in and say, hi, welcome. And you'll go, who the, who the hell is this? Who's saying hi, welcome to me as I enter into this movie. Then you know, after I enter, oh, it's that guy. And then either based on this conversation, like I want to talk more to this guy. I'll go, good Lord, get me a stick so I can stick. Keep this guy away from me. Otherwise <laughs> he'll start down. Hey, have you ever watched Deathstalker 2? It's a wonderful movie, but it's such a good career. And, you know, dumping information on people. I think that's okay, Daniel. You know, that's how you endear yourself to the people. Uh, and we <laughs> love that the Metro supports uh, its audience's passions and programs these films because there's always somebody new who's going to check it out who hasn't seen it before. So we appreciate what you've done this month with Barbaric Rights. I appreciate the opportunity to talk to you. My roommates actually had the idea of like, you know what you should do? You should like dress in our rabbit furs if we have, because yes, we have rabbit furs and a Warhammer around here. And then just talk nonsense for 20 minutes and just like speak in barbaric speak the entire time. But I was, you know, I don't know how comfortable I am hanging out in rabbit furs for longer than 20 seconds at a time. And I decided I'd let's actually be useful to everybody. Hopefully people come out, support Metro, because, you know, if we don't support Metro, then it's not going to be there. And then what are we all going to be doing is liking and sharing the same things about, God, we don't want to go to the movie mainstream movies. They're $30 <laughs> and they're a bunch of crap. And, you know, I'll be sitting there complaining and, you know, things like that. And also, of course, because this was the home of me getting my own copies of lots of these movies to watch and make notes of, support the lobby. Go see look Kevin at the lobby on White Avenue. If you have rentals from him, return them he's looking for them he's dying for them i want to watch this midsummer 824 three-pack thing it's been on rental for weeks now return it please please it needs to be added to my collection uh, but yeah support the lobby kevin actually even pointed me in the way of some of these movies when we were first putting this whole thing together support the lobby support metro support cinema stuff because and vote with your dollar with it man I, I couldn't think of a better way to end the segment. Thank you, Daniel Demchuk, for your time uh, and for your insight on barbaric rights. <laughs>